Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world, this is Tim May or the Tim May Podcast, along with my regular cohort, Austin Ward. Uh, we're still operating here in the aftermath of watching uh, in what I consider to be a stirring national championship game, uh, a victory by LSU over Clemson, uh, what Ohio State fans now refer to as hated Clemson. Uh, Joe Burrow once again stepping into the breach and delivering uh, bullet after bullet uh, that finally shot down Clemson. Agreed there, Austin? Yeah, it was a, a remarkable performance, uh, an incredible season by Joe Burrow. We all have a lot more to talk about with him as this show goes on. But yeah, I, I have to imagine not a lot of sympathy for what happened to Clemson last night around Columbus or for anybody wearing scarlet and gray. And it was a little bit amusing to see some of those calls go against Dabo. Uh, you had the targeting, the overturned touchdown. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, Ohio State fans took a little bit of a little, just a little <laughs> bit of joy out of that. What goes around comes around, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get more into into Joe Burrow later in the program, like you said, because they're going to have I'm going to have his father on. We had him on yeah. after the uh, the win over Texas uh, back in uh, what was that uh, September? Way back, way back in September, late September, and uh, and of course you saw a lot of shots of him and his wife Robin, uh, Joe's mom, in the stands on. Uh, on Monday night as Joe Burrow, uh, just the improbable story of Joe Burrow just uh, added another chapter, and uh, we're going to talk about that. But, you know, before we get into that, uh, I've got my friend Jeff Snook. No one watches more college football than my friend Jeff Snook. Now, I'm rivaling him now that <laughs> now that I'm semi-retired, and uh, I watched a lot of football games this year. I was at the Ohio State games, obviously. Uh, but then uh, you got to understand me and my buddy Jeff Snook, you know, we're into watching like the Belk Bowl and stuff. I mean, uh, we we both really love college football and what it's all about. And, uh, hey, Jeff, uh, welcome in, man. Thanks, Tim Austin. Appreciate it. Uh, just real take, your, your, your quick take on what we saw in the national championship game, just like a like an overview of – was that the was that the victory when you look back on this college football season that uh, should have come? I mean, when you when you watch the Cinderella rise of both uh, Joe Burrow and LSU, you know it, it really is amazing what they did in one year and how much they improved from last year, his junior year to his senior year. Just like a light switch was flipped, and they just became unstoppable. And and also their philosophy changed a little bit. You can see they just they weren't satisfied to ever sit on the ball, even with a lead. They just attacked, attacked, attacked from that from that very first uh, that second game of the year in Texas when they were had third and seventeen, and he dropped back and and moved around in the pocket and, and threw another touchdown pass. And and I mean that just set the tone for the whole year. And yeah. I really thought as the year went on, their defense would come back to bite them because they gave up thirty eight to Vandy. At one point, I think they gave up 30, 38 to Ole Miss, if I remember. Yeah. And and I just thought eventually the defense would get them. But even when they went to Alabama, they outscored them. They gave up 41 there, which is no shame because it's Alabama. But the, but at the end, the defense got better. The last three or four games, they got a little more healthy. And uh, and their defensive backs uh, played a little better. I think they got one of them back. And, and once that defense got better where they could get off the field and get some stops – the offense just never relented and they just kept it up and kept it up. And, uh, and it was interesting to see them do that again once they fell behind 17 to seven in the second quarter. Yeah. The best defense on the field last night from the second quarter on 
was the LSU defense, especially I thought the front for the front guys. I mean, they were in a three three man down, three down man sometimes, sometimes four. They'd bring a guy up, but I thought they. I thought at times they dominated the game and forced uh, Trevor Lawrence into looking average at best. You agreed? Yeah, you know, he he started – he sort of played last night like he started the season. He didn't have a good game at Syracuse, even right. though they were blowing people out. He didn't have a good game in the in the game at Chapel Hill where it came down to a two-point conversion. But then they flipped the switch and turned it on became the old Clemson. So – you know, I when I when I look at this, uh, I, I still would like to see what would have happened if the committee wouldn't have got involved so much and flipped Ohio State and LSU from one to two, yeah. just to see Ohio State and LSU in that championship game because that's the way I think it would have turned out. Ohio State would have beaten Oklahoma, and as we see, LSU would have beaten uh, Clemson, and I would have loved to have seen that matchup of how Ohio State's defense would have gone after Joe and. And, and what they would have tried to do. It was obvious last night, Brent Venables, when he tried that 3-1-7, was having success early. But the re- a lot of the reason was they had him pinned back inside their five the first two series. Yes. And and uh, they were you could tell they were running that double A-gap blitz. And yep. they, they, yet they, they were trying to give him the look like they were dropping seven and then coming after him. And they and they confused him a little bit. They just couldn't keep it up. And, and once LSU got better field position, they hit that first bomb to tie it up at 7-7. Seven to seven. It I really thought when it's 28-25, LSU might be in trouble and Clemson had momentum again uh, because, you know, Clemson's not going to give up or lay down. They just got too many good athletes or too well coached, and and, and they turned it on again. It was mm. it was fun to watch. Yeah. Jeff, um, when, when you looked at this, I, I remember you asked uh, Dabo about sort of the historical perspective of the playoff and how things have changed over the years. And then you just alluded to the selection committee, which I think – got it wrong sort of what you're saying there with one through four and the flip-flop at the top when you look at at this year the committee really had it on a silver platter I think and they still got it wrong are you are you happy with the way it's gone are there still tweaks that you'd like to see to this format well no I'm I'm a 14 playoff guy I do not believe it should be expanded for about a hundred reasons and and the main the main ones that go through them very quickly are just the regular season is as good as it gets in any sport. The regular season matters. The championship games, I'm talking about the conference championship games, matter. If you would expand this from four to eight, you'd have to do something with the championship games because you would have two teams and many conferences playing in a game that they're going to automatically qualify for the playoff anyway. uh, in the next couple of weeks. And you just don't know yeah. uh, how important those games become all of a sudden. It also diminished the rivalry games. A lot of years, Ohio State and Michigan would automatically be in the playoff together. And then you got them playing at the end of the year, just like Auburn, Alabama, and so on. So I don't want to see expansion. Uh, I just think they overreacted. And I and I believe when I look at the first five years of the playoff, I, I still think they've got it right most of the time as far as the four teams go. I still believe that. I don't think Ohio State deserved to get in a year ago when they got crushed by uh, uh, Purdue. And two years ago with Iowa, I still don't think they had an argument uh, now, this past year, I just think they they overreacted and retweaked those seedings when LSU clobbered Georgia, and they didn't consider the whole season as an entity. If they, if they would have, Ohio State would have remained number one and would have had Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. So I just think they overreacted. I, I you know I know many of those guys on the committee. I don't think, at least the guys I know, I don't think overreact the media or or what ESPN's opinion is. I don't think they do. Now, the entire, I can't speak for the entire room, 
but uh, you know, it's just a shame that the the the, the Fiesta Bowl wasn't well officiated as well. I mean, you look at that game, we, as Tim would say, well, but I digress. I don't want to get back into it. But there was just so many calls that uh, were just uh, 50-50, and, and every one of them, maybe six to seven plays, and not all of them were officials called, but there's six to seven plays in that game. If any one of those go Ohio State's way, they win the game, and every one of them went the other way. Yeah. It just uh, – yeah, I just I'm I'm not sure the two best teams played last night to be honest with you. Hey, uh, yeah, but you know I don't know. I thought the two best. I, I said going into the uh, Fiesta Bowl, I thought the two best teams were playing in the Fiesta Bowl. I stand corrected. I think LSU at the end of the year was a hell of a team, and I'm talking about offensively and defensively. And they were defensively, it was a it was a complimenting kind of situation. They were good enough on defense to to go along with that ridiculous offense they had with Joe Burrow just over the top throwing the football. I mean, last night there was a drop touchdown catch. He could have had six touchdown passes in the national championship game against a defense that by hook or crook, you know, held Ohio State to 23 points. You know, you can look at it any way you want to look at it. But uh, they turned that uh, – finally they turned that Brent Venables attack the A-gap uh, defense. That's pretty much what it comes down to. If you can handle the pressure in the A-gap, eventually there are going to be things to be had against them. And they turned that defense inside out finally when it was all done. Hey, Jeff, I wanted to ask you this, though, man. Like I said, you watch college football like no other. Are we are we seeing the earth turn right now uh, in, the, you know, in the national sense of like we uh, – Austin and I, as I call him Boston – well, we put forth, or at least I put forth the theory last week that I think we're kind of seeing it turn. Instead of Clemson, Alabama, I'm seeing a turn more toward Clemson, Ohio State, and maybe even LSU. We'll see how LSU reloads, you know, because that was a that was sort of the all the all the forces come together in a perfect storm for them this season. But uh, just based on recruiting, et cetera, do you see a little bit of a turn slightly away from the Alabama uh, eclipse? Absolutely not. I don't believe that for one second. I I think this. I might be in the minority. Well, nice having you on my show. We'll see you next time. No, go ahead. Now. If you if, if you read every if you read everything nationally today, I would be in the minority. But I think this might be a one off for LSU. Yeah. I, they're going. Let's face it. They're going to remain a top ten program. That's not what I'm saying. I just think they caught lightning in a bottle with Joe Burrow. Yes. And everything came together with these receivers and perfect. And whether the running back comes out or not. Uh, but I just, I, you know, I could see them dropping back next year to go nine and three. They got Texas at home. Texas has got most of their players coming back and they're going to, that'll be the second start for the new quarterback. Uh, I just think right now, if I look at, and I, I, I try to look at programs more than teams programs is more important to me than teams. Yes. Teams are one, one year entities. I'm with you. Uh, I, I see Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State above everybody else. Oklahoma's still got to get their defense ironed out. They've they've had some other problems I see that have happened off the field as far as retaining players, recruiting, other things where they might drop off a little bit. They just play in the Big 12 where they're going to automatically win 11 every year and be there. Yeah. But right now, I see the three programs, Ohio State, Clemson, in Alabama in any order above everybody else. I see LSU maybe falling back in the pack. Now, they'll remain a top-ten program as long as he's there, Ed Ordron, and they're going to always recruit well. 
But these three programs, to me, are heads and shoulders above everybody else. Now, when you forward that to 2020, you got two quarterbacks coming back. That's Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson's going to be plenty motivated uh, to return to where they should be. Ohio State is going to be motivated. Now you got Alabama deciding between Mac Jones and and the other kids coming in behind him, and they open up with USC and Arlington. Uh, I I just think those three are going to be in the mix for for stability's sake for time to come. So it's just yeah. it's 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 time for Ohio State to step up and, and and win one. It's their turn. So, but they just had tremendous losses, as you know too, with the two corners and Chase Young and J.K. Dobbins. They lose four superstars right there. So yeah. it's a it's a matter of replacing those guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I mean, I, I didn't say that next year Alabama is going to be five and si- five and seven. <laughs> That's not what I meant. But I just see Ohio State and Clemson from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, you know this. I see it turning. I mean, and you, you and I've had that discussion many times, Jeff. When we're sitting, many times sitting at your lake house or whatever, about about college football and how it does run to a certain extent cyclical, and uh, and the head coach does matter. And you know, now I don't know how long Nick Saban's going to coach. Let's put it that way. Uh, and uh, there seems to there seems to be some doubt creeping into like some of these recruits now when they're considering like Alabama and someone else. And, uh, I just, and you know, I know, I, I know, I know they're still recruiting on a ridiculously high level, but I'm just, and I'm not making, I'm not talking about this happening, you know, boom next year. But uh, I do see Ryan Day and Debo Sweeney as still young coaches who are, who their programs are just going to keep getting better. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, they're younger than Nick Saban, but as long as he's there, they're going to be fine. I mean, it just you look at their recruiting class this year. The, those were the top three along with LSU, I believe, yeah. right? LSU. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, as long as they're there, as long as he's there with that, he's always going to have a good staff. That They're always going to recruit well. And uh, I just see – I don't see them dropping off one bit. Uh, I just think those are the top three programs in the game right now, and I, I don't see what, what's going to change until he retires. Uh, Dabo's got it gone down there and Ryan day is 40 years old up here. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I just, I just think those three programs are heads and shoulders above everybody else, no matter who the, you know, national champion is right now. I yeah. just, I like, I, I might be proven wrong, but I think this is going to be a one-off guess, as far as yeah. LSU and, and, and I don't see them competing for a national title next year. I guess, I guess what bothered me about Alabama, we'll wrap it up with this is I, I just see a little bit of a slacking now defensively for Alabama in the big games, I mean, uh, they've given up a lot of points in games that matter. And uh, Did you, yeah, you watched the Citrus Bowl, though, right? Yeah, I watched the Citrus Bowl. Well, I, I mean, think he made us. He made it. He wanted to make a statement. They're not going anywhere, and I think he made it. I mean, they yeah. uh, well, they didn't play well in the first half, and yet they came out and and dominated Michigan in that second half, outscoring them twenty-one yeah. to nothing. Yeah, and that was a statement toward going forward. Yeah, yeah. I know. A statement that made them just like, that made them just like every other ranked team. Though. Yeah, exactly. Now, now, granted, Alabama was playing without two attack over Loa, but uh, you know, Ohio State scored fifty-six on that same defense. Yeah. You know, by the way, let me let me say something real quick. Let me say something real quick because I did, I didn't see anybody in the national media mention this. Do you realize that Nick Saban in the final play of that game called for victory formation? They went into the victory formation. It was a pre-planned call yeah. and ran, ran a play out of it to score a touchdown. And hardly anybody, nobody asked him in the press conference. Nobody asked Harbaugh. But it was a pre-planned call as you watch the assistants on the sidelines calling for victory formation yeah. and then run a play to score a touchdown. And I just think. 
it got lost in the shuffle, but yeah. that it's just amazing that that occurred. I know, and without that, they only scored 28 against that uh, Michigan defense that gave up 56 to Ohio State. But I digress. It's, I've been watching football. <laughs> I've been watching football forever, and I've never seen that occur yeah. in a football game. No, I know. There, there, I know there was. I know there was mention. I know there was mention about it after the game, you know. But uh, I don't remember if anybody. I mean, you know. Bottom line is, who gives a damn? Uh, that's the way I look at it. But uh, hey, Jeff, we got to run, man. I really appreciate you coming on. You know that, and I'll see you on the twenty third, my brother. All right, happy New Year. You guys. All right, Take thanks, care. man. Ladies and gentlemen, that uh, that was Jeff Snook, uh, one of my best friends, but also uh, he keeps up with college football about as well as anybody in the, in the nation uh, and uh, knows the ins and outs and stuff. And, of course, called me on my bluff about about Ohio State, Clemson. I wasn't throwing LSU into that mix yet, by the way, because LSU's got to replace the, – the most important person LSU's going to replace next year is going to be Joe Burrow. It's one of the most important people that they've ever had in their yeah, program. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Honestly, maybe like, the best people keep talking about how long, you know, the, the letters to Joe Burrow when he got to New York from the Cannon family. And yeah, I mean, that's 50, 60 years. They haven't had a, a figure like that in their program since then. Yeah. Burt Jones gonna, was pretty good. He's just going to move <laughs> on. I mean, I, obviously, they've had other good players. Right. Like, but I mean, but they, like this is a he is a program defining player for yeah. LSU now, which is it's crazy because we've talked about the transfer portal and all that other stuff. But I mean. That's not going to be an easy fix for LSU. From the from the second quarter on last night, oh my God! I mean, he was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he should have had six touchdown passes. He finishes the season with sixty <laughs> touchdown passes. Yeah, crazy. What's with over with over fifty five hundred yards passing? Just I wonder if that I, actually makes a defensive coordinator dad sick to think about a quarterback throwing for sixty. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's ask him. Yeah, let's ask him. Uh, we're going to, is Jim on? We'll take a quick break. Yeah, we'll take a quick break and, uh, we'll be right back with, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the father of Joe Burrow, Jim Burrow, and a favorite of this show, Jim Burrow, in just a moment. Hey, college football fans, it's Zach Bourne here. You need to check out BetDSI.com. BetDSI is a great way to use your sports knowledge to make some extra cash. That's right. BetDSI is the top-rated online sports book. They've been paying winners for over 20 years. The reason they've been around that long is because they have got the fastest payouts in the industry. Plus, the user interface and mobile site is the best in the business. Play, win, and get paid. It's that simple. It doesn't matter if it's college football, the NFL, NBA, NHL, UFC, eSports, reality TV, virtually anything. You can bet it. You can bet on it at betdsi.com and get paid right now. There's no better way to add some excitement to games that you already are watching. Check out their live betting where you can bet on games throughout the entire matchup, every play, and every minute until the end. BetDSI has a special deal for Letterman Row fans. Use the promo code ROW100 to get a 100% bonus match. That's more than double. That's right, more than double your money to start winning today. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code ROW100 and get this limited 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash on the sports you know and love. BetDSI promo code ROW100. Now back to the show. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. As promised, uh, we've got the father of the man of the hour, uh, last night, uh, man of the year, uh, the man of the year. What am I talking about? The Eisman Trophy winner, <laughs> etc. Uh, we've got Jim Burrow on the phone, who got almost as much FaceTime on the television in the post game last night as your son Joe did, Jim. But Jim, a uh, real quick question: How you feeling this morning? <laughs> well, 
I feel I feel good. I'm just poor, so uh, there's, there's no no issues other than other than that. But as I said, I sound like Coach Ogeron, so we're all good. Hey, I think it's a great impression you're doing there, man. Can you say <laughs> oh, uh, football? Uh, <laughs> hey, Jim, just give, give give us just an impression. I mean, a father sitting there, you and Robin, your your wife, y'all kiss each other a few times you're you know she's got her hands on her face most of the time can't believe what's going on the confetti's flying what what are the thoughts that are and you're staring down the field what are the thoughts that are going through your mind right there though as a father a football coach uh you know uh and, and a fan what what are your what are your thoughts there what were you thinking at that well, moment <clears throat> I mean, it's, uh, you're just real proud, uh, of, of what are you doing? And, but like a lot of people, you're, you're somewhat amazed. And, uh, huh. to, to think that that's your son down there doing that, uh, it's, it's, it's special. And, uh, you know, to, to see a great game like that by, by he and his teammates, uh, it's, it's the kind of the end of a journey and the sort of another one. But, yeah. uh, that was, that was going through our mind too that, hey, this is, this is this is it, and uh, you know we were just as emotional probably about that as the fact that they were winning was. Hey, this is Joe's last college game, and uh, a lot of a lot of tough decisions by Joe, a lot of hard work uh, got him to that point, and yeah. and carried it through to the championship. God, to see to see your to see your son rise to the occasion, and like you said, put up with a lot of challenges through his last five years, and uh, make some big decisions and stuff i mean that's just got to be i don't know so over almost overwhelming for a father i would think to see it come to fruition like it uh, like it did right yeah i mean you know he he, he didn't want to leave uh, ohio state i mean that was that's one of the tougher decisions he'll have to ever make probably uh yeah. in, in his life and it was the first really major one uh you know that he that he had to make and you know i, I felt for him uh uh, that he was going through that, and but but he made the right decision, and, and it all worked out. And you know he he certainly grew up uh, a lot, right right in front of everybody's eyes, actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, it, it it ended up being the best decision again that that he that he could possibly make. And uh, but it wasn't easy. What what did he tell you la late last night, or maybe y'all? I'm sure y'all talked at least a little bit. <laughs> what clicked for him? after they got off the goal line, <laughs> you know, bad, you know, tough yeah. start, but what just clicked, what did he tell you that clicked for him from, you know, of figuring out this chaos that was going on in front of him, what clicked for him into like a, literally a, almost a record setting performance last night? You know, like you said, they had to get off the, the goal line. That's, that's not easy. Yeah. Uh... To, to really run your your offense, I mean they they, they tried, but it's just a it's, it's just tough when you're when you're backed up and you know he was always confident. Uh, they they just needed some space to, to start start working those receivers against uh, Clemson's defense, and uh, you know he he took a beating a little last night. He he was sore, yeah. Uh, so you know I, the the dad the parents uh, came out. Uh, and when we finally saw him about, Hey, are you okay? And, and uh, those type things as a, as, but you know, it was, it was special. And uh, certainly he's, uh, he's excited about the whole thing. 
Jim, was there ever a moment where the defensive coordinator and you were, you were watching every game that Joe played this year, and he throws 60 touchdown passes, and you're like, you're trying to find think of some way that you could have stopped him or kept a quarterback from <laughs> putting up these records? Like, I don't nobody yeah. nobody was able to do anything against him. Well, it was like uh, like high school actually, except you know this this ending came out uh, uh, better than the state championship. But absolutely, I mean, I was when I, what I was watching was again what Athens High did uh, uh, Joe's senior year. I mean, they were scoring basically at will the whole year. Uh, they had great receivers. Uh, you know, as a defensive coordinator, you're sitting there thinking, okay, uh, you, you got three of the best receivers in college football, and and that's not even including. Uh, Clyde, the running back, and, and yeah. Thaddeus Moss, a tight end. And those guys are hard enough to cover, but then you put three first-round draft choices out there that just go after balls and compete. And, you know, Joe, he, he knew what he had, and, you know, he made some throws. And sometimes I'd say, well, why is he making that throw? I mean, the guy's covered. And then the guy just leaps tall buildings and makes a great catch. So uh, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> hey, you you you've watched football, you've played football, and then you watch football your whole life. Uh, like you, like you said, we saw Joe Burrow grow up right in front of our eyes and stuff. But you know, past that, Jim, I mean, you know, now he's being touted as po- possibly the first player taken in the NFL draft. That wasn't necessarily the tune that was being played at the end of last year. Uh, personally, I've watched quarterbacks my whole life too. I just he just exudes something. Uh, in pressure situations, but also he seems to enjoy the reading of defenses, the solving of the problems, et cetera. Uh, what, where do you think? Where did that come from? Did that come from being a coach's son, or is it just? I mean, where, where, where does that? Where did that come from? And did you see it really blossom this year? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, certainly he was around uh, football. Uh, his whole life and, and, uh, kind of had a, had a great understanding for it. The, you know, the, probably the best thing is he got his, he got his mom's smarts and intelligence. So, uh, <laughs> you, you know, that, that helps when he's, he's trying to, to kind of see what's going on, but they prepare him, Joe Brady and Steve Inswinger. I mean, yeah. they prepare him for what he's able to do and, and the looks that they think he's going to get. That's probably the most impressive thing all year is that. Really, almost every week they just saw something that they'd never seen on film from the defenses. But uh, yeah. he, he does – he studies film a lot. And I think it helped that, you know, he he had already graduated from Ohio State, uh, took online courses in his master's uh, program. He got his master's. But uh, uh, he was he's, he was able to, to spend a lot of time watching film, maybe more so – well, for sure more so than if he was uh, – uh, you know, a regular student taking taking twelve to sixteen hours and going to class and and all that. So that all added up to to really uh, help helping Joe understand what he was going against and and what they were trying to do with their with their game plan. So uh, yeah, uh, you know, they, I think we were he was he was fortunate to be able to to spend as much time as he as he did at the facility. And the other thing is they have a brand new twenty eight million dollar facility. And you know it's it's a it's kind of a fun thing for him to to be over there. I mean, the year before they had to to get on a bus to go across the the, the street to the practice facility and to lift weights and then come back and then the locker room. And when they got this facility this this year with the cafeteria and just all the bells and whistles to watch film and 
and that sort of thing. I mean, yeah. that all added up to, to help Joe, too. Kind of like the ping center, right? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's about this. It, it was un- <laughs> unbelievable. That's down in Ohio University. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead yeah. uh, Jim, when you uh, – this, this script with making the tough decision, taking the hardest possible path, really. I mean, I remember when, he, when Joe was getting set to leave that Cincinnati and Luke Fickle desperately wanted to make this push for him. Joe bet – Bets on himself. He obviously wins the Heisman National Championship. And now who winds up with the number one pick? The Cincinnati Bengals back <laughs> in the home state of Ohio. If that plays out. I mean, it's like I'm sitting here watching it, and I can't believe that this script is real. And it, it's it's not fiction, and you're part of it. I just like You guys have to be have moments where you're just sitting there, like, pinching yourself saying, when's this going to end? Like, am I going to wake up soon? Yeah, when I, when I get back to uh... – uh, Hastings, I'm going to have some of my friends pour some cold water on me or something. And, and maybe, <laughs> and maybe I'll wait, wake up. But, uh, you know, I retired, uh, in, uh, last February to, to be able to, to, to go to Joe's games and experience his, his senior season with, with Robin and, and the rest of my family. And I would have been content just being there and watching him play well and, and, and winning uh, uh, a bunch of games. And then all of this happens and you go, you know, I, I almost, you know, there was a chance that I could have missed all this or yeah. I would have missed it all if I hadn't retired. But, um, I mean, it's, it's been unbelievable to, to be a part of it. Uh, my whole family has grown closer because of it. I've spent more time with my brother and my sister and, my two older boys and, and uh, all their families uh, m- more so than I ever have. I, I get to drive to my parents in Mississippi on the way to Baton Rouge and spend a few days with them. I'm doing that on the way back. Yeah. So there was just wow. so many things that, that added up to, to just an unbelievable season. I was going to say, what an odyssey. And, uh, I mean, like like we said, you know, we were from your crappy seats you had for that Texas game, you know, in Memorial Stadium there in Austin, and yet you witnessed a great moment to to the to the SEC champ to beating Alabama at Tuscaloosa. You were there to 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 winning the SEC championship game to being in New York City uh, and watching your son win the Heisman, you and your wife, and then like I said, the last two games, but watching him win the national championship. Uh, and then now you're going to have front row seats probably at the NFL draft. Or uh, you're living the you're living the life, aren't you, Jim? Yeah. Well, I am. You, uh, you know, it's just it's, you know sometimes it's overwhelming to to think about it, and uh, it, it's 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 great. I mean, we we uh, as I said, this journey ends, and the next one uh, really begins uh, as far as you know, what, what we have to do in the next few weeks to decide, you know, where, where, uh, the Joe's agents and, you know, how, how we're going to market, uh, uh, Joe in this season. And, and his mom and I have already been through, uh, a, a whole bunch of interviews in, in, uh, Athens, in the plains there at our house. <laughs> Joe didn't want any part of it. He didn't, he has not, he has not, uh, seen an agent in person this whole year. He's talked to a few on the phone, but, um, you yeah. know, we, we screened them all and interviewed them all and we're narrowed it down. And that's what, uh, Joe and I'll be doing this week. And I, I'll be in Baton Rouge doing that. Hey, one last quick question in longer. So what does an agent 
what what's the pitch? What's the general pitch about they can make your son the number one draft pick? I mean, I could do that. <laughs> hey, Jim, I'm I could do that for you. Yeah, I'm not sure that he needs yeah. one. <laughs> no, no, there. You know, it's it's the contracts uh, are all pretty much slotted. Right, uh, but, right. But there's a lot of uh, you know outside sure things that that an agent is is responsible for. Uh, you know, financially setting you up with with your your workout facilities and and uh, sure. uh, just giving you heads up on on teams that are interested in the draft and uh, so yeah, I mean I <clears throat> I didn't know there, how much there was to it, but even though the contracts are slotted, there there is a lot to it, and then the marketing aspect of it too is uh, you know Joe's pretty marketable right now, so oh, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. uh, you gotta you gotta. We're meeting with some people this week about that too, and and uh, uh, so it's it's putting it all together is is a is a is another big piece of the puzzle for this this year, and and as I said, <laughs> that journey begins really tomorrow. Yeah, you know, he's got that fifty million dollar smile is what I call it now, man. Uh, hey, one quick thing before you go, uh, you know, his speech at the Heisman was off the chart, uh, and number two, uh, just. Because we haven't had you on since since the Texas game, but what was it like to hear him say those things? I mean, I get goosebumps now about the way he uh, the way he was commanded the moment. But then to see what that did for some charities uh, in Athens, you know, in the Athens area there where you still live, what, what I don't know, what does that mean to you to see him take a moment and make the most of it? If you follow my drift there, yeah. Well, I mean. Seeing him sit sit up there and stand up there in front of all those former high school winners, you, uh, it's that's the best football player in the country, yeah. and that's that's for athletic ability and what what you've done on the football field, and then hear uh, those thirty one seconds of very powerful words makes you uh, as a parent even more proud to know that hey, he's not just a football player, uh, he's 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 a He's somebody that does care about social issues. He he doesn't speak out a lot, but he's always been willing to speak out. Uh, you know, whether it's NCAA or, or or just some things that 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 he feels in his heart and he believes. And and that was certainly one of them. He had uh, just a few bullet points that that he wanted to hit. Uh, he he just kind of really talked from the heart. And once again, as a as a dad and Robin as his mom, you know that made it even more special for us. Well, you know, a few bullet points he wanted to hit, and just like last night, he 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 hit bullseyes. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, to think that he could have had six touchdown passes. I mean, what's wrong with that Chase guy, man? That one drop, but uh, but I mean, wow. Well, yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, he, you know, he started out uh, a little slow, but as we said, he was he was backed up on the on the one yard line, so that that's. You just got to make sure you don't turn the ball over at, at that point. You, you try to you try to make a big play, but um, he thought they had a great game plan going in. He was really confident. His his go to phrase usually during the course of the week when I ask him what he says, I, I'm I'm going to be we're going to be just fine. And that was what he that's what he said this week. And when he says that. Uh, I'm pretty confident too. Hey, dude, dude. I mean, it was a, it was, it was a microcosm of his career to this point. Backed up against the goal line, things don't go well. Boom, he figured it out. You know what I mean? And and made it happen and finished with a flourish. Jim, man, okay. 
what a slice, man. I really appreciate you coming on with us again. And heck, we'll do this again before the draft, brother. But uh, I don't know All if right. I, I don't know if you're good luck for me or if I'm good luck for you, but uh, <laughs> I really appreciate it. And like I said, go 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 buy Robin some uh, beignets and coffee before you leave town, brother. Appreciate it, my All man. Right, man. Thanks a lot. Thank, All right. Thank go Tigers. <laughs> Ladies Sounded and gentlemen, just like Coach O there. Just like Coach O. Jim Burrow, man. Uh, proud father, happy father, but uh, down to earth dude. Kind of like his son, you know. The it, the uh, acorn doesn't fall far from the tree. I, you know, I asked him about it, and, and it's so true. Like, and I'm, I've got another thought here, but it, this the script is just literally. Yeah. You can't believe it. I mean, I remember when he showed up. You, you've no. I wasn't there for the shootout in the state championship game. I'd, I've read and written It was about crazy. It. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't at that game, but I know all about, you know, that, that history. And But the kid that showed up and, you know, wasn't able to throw the deep ball and was so skinny and you just you wondered, is it ever going to happen for him then? And he slowly, year after year, Mickey Marotti and working with that coaching staff and Urban Meyer and Ryan Day, you saw the development. And then when he left, you know, you'd. That was a hard decision. I told you, though, the spring game, his first year, when he was one of the – I think he was the only quarterback that wasn't wearing a don't-hit-me jersey. Yeah. I, I may be wrong on that, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> the bottom line is he got hit a lot in that game, but he threw some passes on the money even as he was getting hit. And that just told me – I'm just sitting there watching this. I go, you know, only one guy can play quarterback. That's the way it is. But there's something – with this guy, when you watched him play in that state championship game, I guess what it was Toledo Central Catholic in Ohio Stadium, and like I said in the in the post game when they were giving out the you know the runner up awards, he's back in the back of the pack crying because he had a shot at a championship and didn't get it done. And it's funny because he referenced that uh, after the game oh, against sure. uh, the win over Clemson about you know they were kind of jinxed, although his dad did one did win a Grey Cup. But uh, they were kind of jinxed as a family about winning championships for the most part. And, boom, he got it done. And, uh, uh, and But just to see him – forget about the story, the quarterback he has become, just from a technical standpoint, but also uh, the ability to read defense, to, to, to not just dissect defenses, but to carve them up. And then the toughness he's shown uh, to take a hit – to, to, to throw a touchdown pass or to take a chance to step up in the pocket and make some things happen. I mean, he has become what you're looking for in a professional NFL quarterback now yeah. and his ability uh, to assimilate what's in front of him and make something out of it is uncanny. They had an answer last night. That's a term I've used a lot yeah. because uh, over the years about talking about offense and quarterback play is almost every play, if it's being run by a pretty – pretty good offensive coordinator there's an answer you just got to find the answer and more often than not this year he found the answers well and he had and I think that's part of I got it's hard for me to separate just the, the quarterback development from the overall story because so many of the answers come from all right well I don't throw a good deep ball you know Mickey Marotti can you make yeah, but he stronger? wasn't that bad he, I'm not yeah it, I'm yeah. not saying like, I know. I'm with he, you. he rolled off the – like, he's not the two-star that they mentioned his on, deep the, balls now, on man. the telecast, right? Like, <laughs> well, but he wasn't making all those throws, and he yeah. wasn't throwing the out with a lot of velocity. Yeah. Now, the toughness was there, yeah. and he could run. Okay, but how do I how do I take the step there? All right, this is the next development. And then if I'm not going to be the starter, what's the solution? Like, you know what? Be- I was thinking about you last night because Tony Gerdeman, our friend, 
He tweeted a picture of Joe Burrow's right hand oh. with the scar on it that looked well, like football laces. And that's part of it, like exactly, and the, and the toughness and trying to find a solution. And he told and he told me in New York that he tried to get back before he was ready, and it was a setback. Of course he did, because that's Joe Burrow. And but that's all part of the story. And it doesn't need embellishment. Was sort of the long point I wanted to make because they mentioned it last night. Well, he was a two-star and nobody wanted Well, that's not true. That's he right. was Mr. Ohio. He's a four-star. Right. Ohio State doesn't recruit two-star quarterbacks. Right. If you want to say Scott Frost didn't want him and that maybe he felt slighted when he was going out, fine. But Where did the two-star thing come I have, from? I mean, I'm, 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 you know, it's like – it's kind of like, I, you know – like like I said, Hoosiers was a hell of a movie based on a true story, but they had to change all the numbers. The, yeah. You know, uh, Rudy was a hell of a story as it was, but they changed a lot of the st- – why did why did they have to go that route, you think? And and you don't have to do it right now in yeah. the moment. Like, if somebody wants to write the screenplay about Joe Burrow, which they probably will in 20 years, yeah, fine. And then you then you tweak it and, and you know, history has shaded it a little bit and you don't want to use all the right – fudge the numbers and make a blockbuster, fine. In the moment – when he's competing for the national championship, his story is good is enough. Good enough on its own. Athens, Ohio State, uh, not getting Nebraska, uh, having to transfer, broken hand, uh, going through one year at LSU, not getting it done, trying to come back the next year and get better and stronger, going undefeated, winning the Heisman. There is absolutely nothing wrong with it. Right. You don't have to add in uh, the the things that just stick in my mind, which I was telling you on the podcast. It's like the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, yeah, but uh, like I was telling, I was. This is what I knew it was going to happen. When we were in here last Thursday, I said, you're going to hear that Joe Burrow didn't get a shot at Ohio State or that he wasn't good enough and everyone wrote him off. That was never the case. Ohio State recruited him for a reason. They wanted to keep him for a reason. They thought he could be a special player. Yeah. You don't have to add this other storyline and try and diminish uh, what happened or, or diminish Dwayne Haskins or take away, ignore the reality of the situation for Ohio State where they made the choice – I. Th- I don't think they made the wrong choice. People are going to have this debate for 40 years moving forward, just like the Fiesta Bowl. We're always going to be talking about it. Should they have kept Joe Burrow instead of Dwayne Haskins? Here's the thing. In those kind of situations, like I, when I had Jim Burrow on back in September after that win over Texas, you know, he's a, he's a former defensive coordinator and coach. He understands that there comes a moment every year when you have to have a, you have a gut yep. check on, all right, this guy's my starter. Your second team. Now the problem, the the great thing is, on most of the on most of the positions in football, you can play two guys, maybe even three. Right. But at quarterback, that's not the case. And uh, and like he said, uh, they thought it was you know in their mind they, they thought he had a hell of a spring game that year when yeah. they and uh, and if you talk to Urban Meyer and Ryan Day today, just like just like back then, they didn't want Joe Burrow to leave. No. Uh, they wanted a competition, but you do have to line the pegs up eventually on the board, but they wanted it to go into the preseason camp to decide the battle. Joe wanted maybe a wanted little a more of a chance. To, yeah. yeah, it wasn't a guarantee because going to LSU even wasn't a guarantee. Right. Uh, you know, you're going to a big-time program. I mean – I guess the guarantee would have been Cincinnati. He did go take The guarantee would have yeah. been Cincinnati. Yeah. But he wanted to play at a Power 5 school, you know, and take on the biggest challenge, the biggest challenge – Going to a Power Five school in the SEC West, where who holds sway? Yeah, Alabama. You knock off Alabama. Yeah. yeah. Uh, bingo. I mean, uh, you talk about taking on a challenge and then proving everybody not necessarily wrong. Ohio State thought he could play quarterback. Yeah, he, it has nothing to <laughs> but, do with like it, it. Just doesn't have anything to do with what Ohio State right, thought of him. Right. From his recruitment on, 
And the way the Tom re- Herman the, liked him, the way this revisionist history is is going to play out, it, it, there's just it ignores the fact that Ohio State, while Joe Burrow was developing, and then he became a Heisman winner and a national champion. Well, last year they had a first round pick at quarterback, uh, who was also a Heisman Trophy finalist that year. The fact they made that choice, it worked out. They were one game away yeah. uh, from being a national champion or competing, going to the playoff last year. You, you know, you, it, Joe yeah. Burrow wasn't going to make the difference in that loss at Purdue. Yeah. Okay. And now, well, well, you never know. I mean, the defense. Was, he could run. He Dwayne gonna, couldn't run unless he was going to play defense. Or Dwayne wouldn't run. All right. So maybe, <laughs> or maybe the red, you know, the red zone. That's yeah. a real deep down hypothetical, but it's one game. Yeah. And you had a first round pick and a Heisman Trophy finalist, and then he moves on which wasn't fully expected. They didn't know that either of those guys would be declaring for the draft after last year. Right. But that allows you to get Justin Fields. So the fact that Joe Burrow left now gives you two years of Justin Fields, who, by the way, that guy was a Heisman Trophy finalist. Right. And if 10 plays don't go against Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl, they're settling it on the field head-to-head. Right. It's not going to be a thing where the quarterback's really – I was sitting there watching that game last night, and I was just looking at the matchups, and I was oh. just going, you know – uh, Akuda and Arnett. If there was a team that could beat LSU this year, it probably was Ohio State. The more I look at it, I'm not. I'm just the way. I'm just looking at the matchups. Yep. I'm looking at the uh, across the fronts and the backs. I mean, you know, in my opinion, the difference last night as the game went on were the two fronts by LSU, the defensive front and the offensive line. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, again, when you play against a team like like. Uh, like Clemson, like I tweeted in the middle of the game, it's going to be herky jerky, man. When you're offensively, because they're going to get, they're going to make some plays with all the all the uh, chances they take defensively. Mm-hmm. They're going to make some plays, but you're also going to get some shots at plays if you could just pick up that one blitzer, man. Uh, that one guy uh, who came free the last time, and you know when Isaiah Simmons came untouched through the A gap early in that game, I just went, oh no because it was a great split move by their three technique and their nose tackle, split the guard in the center, and he just came right through there. And I'm just going, wow. Hey, real quick, uh, but but LSU and uh, Joe Burrow and the offensive line got it done. How about How's that for summations? Real quick, perfect. Archie segue. Griffin, the number four all-time player in college football history through 150 years. What's your take on that list we saw in a nutshell? What, what just stood out to you uh, about that – Top eleven. If you, I don't know if you ever well, remember watching it, yeah. but I, th- I mean, the thing that stood out to me was that there was nobody from the last twenty-five years of college football, and I know maybe they're trying to fight a recency bias, but yeah. the fact that a guy like Tim Tebow uh, was not higher on that list, or Cam Newton, or, or Reggie Bush, or Orlando um, Pace, the other stuff. Like, I just, I thought it was a poor list. I, I'm just gonna. And these are the same people that put it together that it, had Urban It kind of makes me mad. It kind of makes me mad. I'm going to interrupt you because, only because I know people get upset when I do that. But I, I think Jim Brown was a hell. Jim Brown was a hell of a player. Not in college. But Herschel Walker, probably was the greatest running back I ever saw right. play college football with Bo Jackson right next to him, and then Archie Griffin. I mean, these are guys that came along, and and Jim Brown was right up there, but. That was almost a political statement of Jim Brown got shorted because he didn't win the Heisman Trophy, you know, so we'll make him the greatest player in college football history through the 150 years. You know, know, I think he was a great player at Syracuse, but he wasn't on the level of Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson. Yeah, I I don't like – And even Archie Griffin, for that matter. I don't like to disparage other media outlets for the way they do their business, or and certainly not one – 
that I spent a long time working for them. But when, when I looked at this list that they put out and the coaching list when they did the top 150 and Urban was 46 or 47, yeah, yeah, I felt like it was designed to anger somebody. And that's, what's, that's always going to happen with rankings. They're subjective. And I don't know specifically who voted on all of that for them, but it doesn't – I'm not saying Archie should have been number one. I, I don't I, – I wouldn't put him there. I don't – four no. seems about right. No, I think Herschel Walker – Herschel Walker, if I had to pick a running back from the guys I've watched play college football over the years, yeah. Herschel Walker would be the first guy I'd take, and uh, Bo Jackson would be number two. And and you've told me this many times because I wasn't around to cover. Orlando, Orlando Pace would probably Pace. be the third guy I would take. I think that he was, if you're going to pick an Ohio State guy, the most impactful one uh, that they've ever had at, at a position. You know, Archie's got the two Heisman's, but Orlando Pace basically considered the gold standard at that position in college football history by most people who, who saw him play. And Chick Harley might have won three Heismans if there had been the Heisman. He played before the Heisman. Yeah, so certainly for you. But but I, but for me, as as someone who's really – you know, I've spent my, the the full time professional college football coverage in my life has been the last 15 years, and I think about some of the Heisman uh, Trophy winners that I got to vote for. Yes, I mean Tebow's career is one of the most special, unique that you're ever going to see. I know people they find him polarizing now, and maybe even when he was in college, but that's not part of it. They put O.J. Simpson on this list, yeah. So I don't think they're factoring no. that stuff in, but um, you know. Tebow and Cam Newton, Reggie Bush, Adrian Peterson. Maybe they should have made the list the the greatest players of the first 125 years, not the last of 150 years of college football. Think about like, (laughs) but think about some other guys like Indomitian Sue. Oh yeah, it's. I just I don't know. They were too careful to try and you know factor in the past and not give guys in the current era the the attention. Because look, when we're going to be talking about 25 years from now. And if you don't put Tebow in your top ten for college football history, I, I believe that strongly that his career was that special yeah. in college football. I, I don't. What are we doing? I just yeah. he he did it all. He won a national championship and a Heisman Trophy. That stuff usually pushes you over the top. Yeah, you would think it would get you somewhere in that <laughs> in that, but uh, but you know, Roger Staubach, ladies and gentlemen, was a hell of a quarterback and played for the Naval Academy and came out after his four or five years of duty and then won a Super Bowl uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, I think he deserved to be in there somewhere. Sure. But like you said, uh, I mean, Roger Stallback was Tim was a Tim. I mean, he could run, he yeah. could throw, et cetera. I have no qualms because it's really hard to compare. Like when Joe Namath came out, Joe Namath was a hell of a freaking player, man. I mean, until uh, he got his knee hurt. Like I said, I got to watch Joe Namath play live on two good knees. I mean, he was as great as there ever was till he got hurt, and uh, right on down the line. So how you how you finally you got to finally come up with an eleven. But when you put yeah. Jim Brown on there as number one, uh, that just bothered me for several reasons uh, because I think it's more of what he did as a as a professional football player and how he walked away from the game courageously. Of course, he had some off the field issues, uh, as everybody knows. Uh, but the bottom line is. Like I said, I'll go finish with this. In my opinion, Herschel Walker is right there, the greatest player I ever saw play, mm-hmm. and Bo Jackson's right there with him. And in Arch Griffin, the pounding he took as a five foot nine, hundred and eighty pound running back, uh, playing on some of the toughest football teams Ohio State ever produced, uh, that says it all. Yeah, it's and like you, like you said, you're never going to get it perfect. You can't even get 
uh, a top 25 poll in any given season exactly right. Right. Because it's so subjective. I just my only my only real issue was that, that the last 25 years were not represented in the college football has, in my opinion, never been better than it is right now. And just, I can only, you know, compare the historical stuff, but I, 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 you take the same viewpoint to other sports, the, the way athletes are continuing to get better, uh, the evolution of the sport, like you have the debate between LeBron or, or Michael Jordan. Well, I mean, LeBron is a different physical freak and the game and the game in the NBA is better now than it was. Then. Yeah. It's diff, it's more difficult to stand out in today's college football where you have these elite coaches and the training staffs and they know more what they're doing and cutting edge schemes and all this, that, and the other, like you're, you're elevating the game. Who would I rather year. have is my number one player. The first 47 minutes of a game, it would be LeBron James. Who would I rather have with a ball in his hand with uh, five seconds to go? Yeah. It'd be Michael Jordan. That's but, the way I always looked at it. I think Michael and Michael Jordan's a hell of a player. But you're exactly right. Real quick, uh, let's jump. Uh, Clemson number one. Who's number two next year preseason poll? Or do you even look at it like that? I would, Clemson's got twenty I've, starters back. I've started trying to change my. Unless my some guys view make some that. weird decisions here. Yeah, I'm starting to view it more from the prism of who do I think is going to be in the playoff next year? Because you know, one, two. Uh, you know, we're not voting on a champ anymore. I, I think Clemson. I mean, they're not going. No one's going. No one in the ACC should beat them ever. That's just the way it is right now. I think Ohio State's going to win the Big Ten. I that's it's an interesting situation there in Week Two against Oregon. That's going to be a really that's going to be really good game. That's going to be a decider. Yeah, and I because I think that I think Oregon has uh, some intriguing pieces. Um, yes, you know they have to break in a new quarterback. They're going to get a big test early on. Same. You know, Ohio State's also replacing a lot of pieces on defense, so that'll be an interesting sort of uh, barometer for them. Um, you know, you you asked Jeff about this, Jeff Snook. I, I think LSU takes a step back without Joe Burrow, and Alabama is still fully loaded with the talent across the board. I agree uh, with that. To get there. Uh, the fourth spot, I mean, it, it, it kind of pains me to look at it and say this with Oklahoma because I just don't think that they are capable of beating the top three. But, but wait if, a minute, Tom Herman's revamped his whole coaching Texas, staff. Texas and, back. Uh, How does that normally work, though, Tim? You go not very well, you usually. Have to, you have to completely clean out your coaching staff. You don't usually I, – I, I bit my tongue because Snook was talking about that LSU game early on and how many how many guys Texas had back. Yeah. Well, the coaching staff's gone. So yeah. Good good luck trying to get results that quickly yeah. going to LSU. So I think, I think Oklahoma's got – the schedule and the league where they can get right back to, to the college football playoff and then lose again in the semifinal. Yeah. Uh, I think the two best teams going into next year, to answer your question one and two, I think that's Clemson and Ohio State. Uh, and Alabama is going to be in there motivated and trying to play spoiler. But I don't see many other challengers. You could, if yeah. LSU gets things at quarterback, uh, if Georgia, uh, they've got the same situation, trying to break in a quarterback and, and maximize their talent. They've got enough on hand. But I don't, I don't believe that the SEC gets two teams out of their league. Um, you don't think Michigan? It's the year for Michigan next year. I mean, I mean how many, how many votes is Michigan going to get in that preseason poll next year? You think? I bet. I bet they'll be number nine. No, I'm talking about in the Big Ten preseason poll. Oh yeah. Uh, well, the same thing's going to happen that I told you happened in July last year. People get so bored. That's right. That's exactly what it's about, ladies and, and gentlemen. They want to stir it up. No one with no one with two eyes 
can look at those rosters and say that Ohio State is not the best team in the Big Ten. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know how many times they have to prove it to these people who want to vote for somebody else. You know who's going to get it? People are going to talk themselves into Penn State. Yeah, they are. And they're going to be the preseason favorite. But they're not. Spoiler alert, Ohio State's going to win their fourth Big Ten title in a row next year. Yeah. Game. I mean, yeah, it would have to be an orogeny of, of, orogeny of major proportions. That's earth movement, by the way. O-R-O-G-E-N-Y. Uh, but, ladies and <laughs> That's gentlemen. That's a new one for me. I yeah. did not know that word. Well, I wanted to make sure they knew I was saying orogeny. Yeah. I, that's why I got a little concerned. Yeah. But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that wraps up another Tim May podcast. And uh, for those of you who stuck it out to the end, we appreciate it. <laughs> uh, That's where all the good stuff was. And for that one dude, forget it, man. You know, you should have – why even listen if it's – can't you see how long it is before you turn it on? <laughs> but uh, but I digress. Uh, but this is Tim yeah, May with uh, Boston. You know him as Austin Ward. We appreciate Jeff Snook coming on, one of my best friends, uh, talking college football. You ought to – we ought to – Jeff and I ought to turn on the recorder some nights when uh, when uh, it's just me and him sitting around talking college football. That would be a podcast of it of its own, except we could get some of the uh, bad words out of it. Uh, it. You'd definitely be able to hear it because he's a little bit hard of hearing, and I always talk loud, so <laughs> it's a great combo. But uh, and then of course Jim Burrow um, obviously had a long night last night on the streets of New Orleans, uh, as we all do. I, yeah, and but celebrating. As great a story as there's ever been in college football, in my opinion. Maybe not the greatest, but it's up there competing with the great ones. Is, yep. uh, the rise of his son, Joe Burrow, from average a year ago to leaving Ohio State and becoming average a year ago for LSU to becoming the Heisman Trophy winner, national championship winner, and possible, probable number one pick in the, in the 2020 NFL draft. You know who loves that? Chase Young. Yeah. There Washington you go. Redskins. Chase Young looking forward to uh, the competition once again. But ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back we'll be back uh shortly with another Tim May podcast. But until then, I appreciate you watching. We'll see you next time.